We on? There we go. All righty. Well, a couple things. Um, first of all, it's good to be back with, with you guys. And um, second of all, um, it looks like we're missing some folks, and that's always a, a, a prayer request because we have a lot of people who come um, who are in recovery programs and thank, you know, thank God that they're here. We want you here. Um, we've said this before that uh, we happen to believe that if uh, Jesus were physically walking around, he's here in spirit, but if he were physically walking around in Portsmouth, he'd be downtown with people with issues. That's where he'd be hanging out. And so we're glad you're here, but some people aren't here, which always makes me wonder if someplace in lockdown or something, so always pray for that. Tonight, we're having um, kind of our last in a series of revolution conversations. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about where revolution is at and where it's going. But this week, we're going to talk about um, we're going to talk about the gospel, we're going to talk about romance, and we're going to talk about Fifty Shades of Grey. And I know about the gospel. I don't know about either of those other things. So I, um, I don't know. <laughs> and so I, I asked if Jules Bennett would um, have a conversation with me. Jules is an author. And, um, and so uh, I don't want to uh, pigeonhole her into any kind of genre, but you've written a lot of books that people would call romance novels. Is that be correct? Yes. Okay. How many books have you written, Jules? 14. You've written 14 Well, I've written books. more than 14. I've had 14 published. 14, 14 next published. month. Okay. So you got a new one coming out then? Yes. And it's called what? Whatever the Price. Whatever the Price. Okay. So they can go on Amazon, all this kind of stuff, and they yes. can find this, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. So you got your 14th book um, coming out. So this is not your first day on the job. You've been doing this how long? My first book was published in 2005. Okay. So you've been doing this seven years. All right. Mm -hmm. So you've been, you've been doing this for a while. Um, now... We have both read the book Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, the book trilogy, there are actually three. I've only read the first one. I haven't read yeah, all three. Um, yeah. You haven't read all three? <laughs> no. Yet. Okay. And uh, so we'll go ahead and just spill this. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the book, for, if for no other reason than it's, in my opinion, uh, I'm writing a book now. You've written 14 books. Here's my opinion. It's not very well written, just from a technical aspect. Right. It's, it's hard to get through. Okay. Um, yeah, it's very hard to get through of how it was written. I'm not a big fan of first person anyway, but I can get past that if it's written well. Right. But it wasn't written well. Okay, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> so, I mean, but there are some people who probably like the book, but I, I just didn't care for it. It's the, just laying our cards out on the table, I just didn't think it was well, well written. Um, all right, so this book basically began, if I remember correctly, basically as fan fiction, right? I mean, this, this was a lady, she's a British author, I believe, and she was a fan of Twilight, if I remember correctly. Yes. And she, she started writing yes. Twilight fan fiction? Yes. And if I've never seen Twilight, and I've, I tried to start reading Twilight. I couldn't get through that either. Um, I don't jump on most bandwagons that, <laughs> right, that other yeah. people okay. do. Yeah. Um, but she loved Twilight so much. And I guess for people who have read both, they see that comparison, that this has been considered the adult version of Twilight with the, um, the, the dominating male, you know, the controlling, I, I guess, is how they're that, comparing that skinny them. little dude from Twilight is dominating? <laughs> I've heard. You've he heard? Is. Okay. All right. All right. And the, the guy who tried to marry the trampire. All right. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> um, Anyway, uh, next subject. So anyway, um, the book has sold more than, I guess the trilogy has sold more than 31 million copies. It has sold more than Harry Potter, right? 
And it is so, it is so, so I, mean, I, re- I couldn't believe this. I saw this in like USA Today or something like that, that there was actually like a hotel chain in Great Britain that alongside the Gideon Bible was putting a copy of Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, they are. Um, also, I, I, I didn't know that until you said that. Was it two weeks ago? I think you said that. Um, but there was a library in Florida. There was a county, and all their branches had banned Fifty Shades until it became so popular. And then they, <laughs> yes, and then they put People it back in. People demanded that they put it back in. Yeah, they put okay. it back in. But it was banned at first because it was so poorly written. That was their, their reasoning. Okay. But it was put back in after the popularity. Okay, happened. interesting. So the book, if you've not read it, and I had no desire to read it till I saw how many. I mean, I travel a lot, and so I'm in basically 19, 20 states up until July. My job is travel all over. And everywhere I would go, I'd see this book. People on the plane reading it. I'd see it all over the airport. I'd see it everywhere, right? And so I just decided, but we got to talk about this because this is, you know, when I, especially when I saw it, sold more than Harry Potter. Right. And, and you weren't seeing the people who were reading it on their phones or their Kindles or their iPads. You know, you were just seeing the print. Yeah. I mean, just the print and today's day and age, that's incredible. Right. And actually they said when I was researching it, 90% of those copies that have sold have been e-copies, not the print copies. Wow. 90% are just... Wow. Okay. So the book, if you've not read it, we'll try to summarize it in a way that's family friendly. Um, that's going to be a challenge, but, uh, um, here's how I saw it. If I, I, I finished it, you know, this week and you've got Anna, who's like a 22 year old college student and you've got Christian gray, who's like the young entrepreneur. I don't remember them giving his age, but he's just, he's older than her. I don't his age either. Yeah, I, I don't just assumed that. he was 30. Oh, yeah, <laughs> okay. That's, that's safe enough. You get the, Im- or the impression that he's older than her. I mean, with yeah. all he's accomplished. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you don't meet a lot of 22-year-old entrepreneurs no. unless they're not a last name Zuckerberg, right? All right, <laughs> exactly. so, um, all right, so, and, and basically she goes to interview this guy, and he finds her attractive, and they have this back and forth, and then... Um, she ends up like drunk dialing one night and all this other kind of stuff. And, and so eventually what she figures out with this guy is that he's got some issues. Is there a safe way to put it? He has a lot of issues. He has a lot of issues. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, his idea of romance is he doesn't want eye contact. Right. He doesn't want to necessarily, he's not a cuddle Person. He's not a cuddler, no. <laughs> and um, he he likes to hurt people. Right, which all stems from his past, which you don't know at the start. You just know right. that he has problems. Yes, he, he has issues. And, you know, for a guy that is supposedly wealthy, you think he could afford some therapy. But you would think. Anyway, um, so this is basically, and so basically the kind of struggle, there's always a struggle in a story. The struggle is, can Anna come to terms with who this guy is. Was that, is that fair? Yes. There's so many different angles you can look at the story from. Okay. But yes, um, yeah, I think that that's her whole goal. I mean, she's 22, so she's right. fairly, she's very inexperienced. Right. And so I just think the first guy that gives her attention, she's automatically, oh, I can change him, you know, because she's, ah, she's so nice. There's a topic we need yeah. to explore. But there's, um, but okay, so 
she, in the end, I mean, the book basically ends, it's a trilogy, so the book basically ends with her basically saying, I'm not sure if I can deal with this or not, after kind of venturing into his world, she's kind of like, I'm not so sure if I, I can do this or not, and that's kind of how the book ends, right? Yeah, it ends with her in tears. Right, yeah, yeah, we're a happy ending, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like we were, somebody and I was talking about The Mist earlier, the movie, it's like, like that kind of ending. Um, it, yeah, it's just, so... I, I'm struggling with this, and, and I want your opinion on it because I, I certainly don't get it. Beyond the poor writing, um, the first thing that struck me when I'm reading through this is if Anna came to me as a pastor and laid this all out what was happening in her life, you know, I'd be like, um, Anna, do you not have enough self-esteem to tell this dude there's right. just no way? Right, right. Um, like I said, you can look at it from so many different angles. As an author, I think she was trying to give that that shock factor or that extra entertainment. But as a woman, I was just seeing so much control and so much... I mean, that's all it was. Yeah. It was a lot of control that she mistook for affection. And is that how you took it? Yeah, I mean, this, and, it, and, and I mean, it's not just control in the sense that like the high school senior and the high school freshman playing mind games with you. I mean, oh, yeah. He right. wants her to sign like a contract. a contract. He wants her to sign a contract, but he bought her a car, he bought her a computer, he bought her a phone. Right. I mean, it's just, it's buying affection, it's controlling her for the affection. But I mean, even that being said, I said some, you know, some girl sitting, you know, in, across from me on the couches in revolution offices, and we're sitting there talking. And she's laying this out. And she goes, but the guy bought me this and this and that. And I'm like, yeah, but the guy wants you to sign a non-disclosure form right. and a contract on the kind of physical contact you can have. Right. You can't have eye contact with him. Right. Which sounds like something Mariah Carey would put in her writer, right? <laughs> in fact, I'm pretty sure, you know, she's going on American Idol. I'm pretty sure that's in yeah. her writer, yeah. right? Yeah. No yeah, one probably. will make eye contact with me. me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and I, I would be telling this girl... This guy's nuts, and I don't care how much money he has. He's crazy, and you need to have enough self-esteem not, not to deal with I this. I think that goes back to the inexperience, too. I, I don't think she'd – I mean, she'd never had a relationship really before that. I, I just think it goes, you know, she found him attractive. He's wealthy, which in her eyes, he's probably more attractive okay. with the wealth. We can talk about that, and, too. And, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I just think, like, all of this – that she thought, well, maybe I can put up with this other stuff. I mean, nobody's perfect. You know, there's, there's not going to be wow. a perfect yeah. relationship. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm not even going to say that she was settling because I think in, in the book, she didn't consider it settling. She was just, she liked that affection and she thought, well, maybe I can turn him around a little. But I mean, here's, I guess, even if somebody came to me and it's like, you won't believe this, you know, um, but... Let's say that some, you know, poor, you know, 22-year-old girl from Otway, you know, comes to me and says, you won't believe this, but the lead singer for Nickelback, <laughs> you know, really digs me. And, um, he's, you know, he's buying me all this stuff and, uh, you know, and I've never dated anybody before. And so I think it's, you know, pretty normal that he wants me to dress up in a clown outfit and smack him every morning. So, you know. <laughs> and I, I'd be like, uh, no, that's not really that normal. And um, uh, even for Nickelback. And, um, 
and you need to run. And so, you know, no matter how experienced you are, I mean, I, I can see that, you know, yeah, I mean, she's 22. You know, she's never had a real relationship before. But, you know, I mean, when I was 22, I would, I would, have, I would have gone like, this is just weird. Oh, I would have too. Yeah. But then the book would have ended. So, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Then there's no story. But I, you know, but that's, and that's what fascinates me, and this is where we'll get into the issues where, but okay, um, so let's say that, you know, in real life we would tell Anna if she were a friend, you need to get some self-esteem and you need to grow a backbone and you need to, I don't care how much money this guy's got, and I know you haven't been, you know, dated around much, but this isn't normal, this isn't right. Okay, so that being said, it, you know, she's got she's to write a book, and there's got to be a conflict, and there's got to be, okay, and the character's got to change, and blah, blah, blah. But um, why are people reading this and digging it if, you know, if we're sitting up here going, you've got to be crazy to put I up know. with this? Yet again, I'm, I'm always a minority with this yeah. popular stuff. Um, I still listen to hair metal, so... <laughs> I don't listen to hair metal. <laughs> I can lend you some. <laughs> Thanks. Sure. Um, I think what started it was this book was self-published, and usually self-published books are either free when they first come out for mm. a week or so, okay. or they're 99 cents, or they're right. something very cheap just to get people to get it. And then word of mouth really spreads like okay. wildfire. Plus the cover is, it doesn't look like a romance. It looks, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. You don't know what it is. Right. It's just if you haven't seen it, it's just a, it's just a gray cover and it's got a tie, and I, is the font black? I don't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. muted. It's dark. Yeah. Yeah, and and so you just don't know what it is, and I think curiosity reasons people picked it up, but the main reason that it spread was word of mouth, and and there was a bad review that somebody had mentioned on TV. I can't even remember what show it was. There was a really bad review about it, so then people wanted it for curiosity. Okay. And, and then, um, I think I can say this, I'm not, I just don't want to offend anybody, but it, it seemed like a lot of the, um, like soccer mom types were getting it because it was a little bit naughty. Okay. All right. But the yeah. cover was okay to right. sit and read at your kid's practice because the hubbub hadn't come out yet. So nobody right. knew what 50 shades of gray was. So you right. could sit there and read it. But, um, I, I think that's I, I, but I will confess, I mean, just, I, it, I was reading it, was like it on my Kindle effect. app yeah. at a pastor's conference last Saturday. <laughs> See? And I thought, <laughs> I, I thought that if somebody saw what I was reading, they were going to drag me outside, put a scarlet A on me, and start throwing rocks at me. <laughs> they may have. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, yeah, you're like the moms that were reading it at their kids' right. t-ball practice. Right, okay. All right, yeah. I know how they feel. You don't okay. want people to know what yeah. you're reading. Okay. All right. yeah. so, so, you know, people pick this up, and, they, and they're getting through it. Okay, yeah, there's conflict. And I, I understand that, you know, you don't want to read like – I don't like to go to movies that are like, this is my afternoon. I, I want to read something different. I understand that. But what's I – mean, I mean, how many – books are published a year and how many romance novels that are much better written are published a year why is this one yeah. so popular uh, to be honest publishers are really trying to figure that out they're trying to figure out what what this was and i really think it's because it just came in on the coattails of twilight and and it's been compared to that as the adult version and and so i just think with that popularity and plus because el james said that she had based her characters off of twilight I just think that it just 
it was just a little spark that turned into a big wildfire. Yeah, but that's, you know, I can kind of, I, I, I have, you know, like a lot of people, like 400 channels on my TV and I watch like five of them. And so, but every once in a while, and like, I think the only thing like one channel of like Showtime or, or the movie channel shows are Twilight movies like over and over again, right? And so I've tried to watch a few minutes of it. I don't get it. But I, I, you know, I don't like it, but I get it. And here's what I get. I get that, like, a girl can be attracted to, like, this sensitive, strong vampire. Yes. Okay, I kind of get that. He can even get, as weird as it is, that she's torn between a vampire and a werewolf. <laughs> right? very realistic. Yeah, yes. absolutely. <laughs> um, and, and now, in real life, of course, the werewolf has fleas and... and and, and the vampire is, like, 200 years old, so he's, like, prejudiced against Irish people and he wants to do, like, the Charleston or something. So, I'm <laughs> But, you know, I, I, but beyond that, I, I get it, right? I, I see right. the, I do. this, I and don't I'm get. The, I'm the same way. I get Twilight. I just wasn't a fan of it. Right. The few pages I read. Yeah. But Fifty Shades, I, I don't get it. I... I don't like it, and I don't get it. Okay, I don't either. So but, but let's try to do our best here with, like, because, I mean, I remember the first thing I ever saw on this was actually Dr. Drew. Does everybody know who Dr. Drew is? Okay, right? And Dr. Drew himself goes, he looks at this book, he read through it, and he goes, this is disturbing. That's his quote, right? I mean, so he's a secular psychiatrist, and he's going, this is really disturbing. It is disturbing. Yeah. It's disturbing as a woman. It's disturbing as a mother to think my child. Yeah, would, goodness you know, sakes, yeah. It's just disturbing from all angles, in my opinion. Okay. And so we agree on that. So, But let's talk about why it's disturbing and why people still may like this. Is, as, a, as a woman, as a romance novelist, do you see anything in Anna that would make the average woman, you know, be intrigued by this conflict she has? Hmm. As a woman, maybe. Maybe that she is insecure. That's very obvious. She's yeah. very insecure, but now she's getting all this attention, even if it's negative, in right. my opinion. Um, as a woman, I kind of see that, especially from, from a younger woman's standpoint. As an author... I would have deleted it and started over. Okay. Which is why All I right. haven't we sold can agree with that. million copies. Yeah. It, well, and yeah, but when I look at, okay, so I'm reading through this, I'm thinking about Anna, and I'm thinking about the people I have counseled. What is dis what's most disturbing to me is that despite the fact that we both kind of agree that, you know, even an inexperienced 22-year-old, we'd, we'd counsel her that, hey, look, this, this isn't normal, this isn't right, you need to have some self-esteem here. Um, but the, I do see a lot of women like Anna. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of insecure women who, and this is not just as a pastor, okay? Um, I may be old, but I'm not so old that I don't remember drama from high school. This goes all the way back to high school. Oh, yeah. You have the girl who's attracted to the jerk, mm -hmm. and you're like, what is wrong mm -hmm. with you? There's always that little bit of attraction to the, the bad boy type. It's, it's just... It's just how women are made up. Why? I'm, I don't know. <laughs> it's how we're made. <laughs> I don't why? know why. It, it, it's just that it, it's that you're always taught to do everything that's right, 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 and here something comes along that's not so right. So you just think, well, I'll just try. You know, I mean, 
It's just how we're made up. Well, yeah, I mean, I, and I used that to my advantage in high school. However, that being said, um, but I, even though I used it to my advantage, I didn't get it, you know. And so, but I see this. I mean, this seems to be almost like an epidemic among, and maybe it's always been that way because we can only see what's within our generation. But, I mean, you know, maybe if we sat down with our grandparents, they, you know, they'd be like, oh, you know, I always loved the boy who was into that jazz, you know, whatever. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know, but, I mean... Um, but it's problematic. I mean, you're a mother. If, you're, if your daughter's yeah. watching, you'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. we yes. got to get some help here, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, uh, I wish there was somebody in that book that would have told Anna <laughs> to get some help or I, I don't know. I, I would definitely, I, I think it is problematic, but it's just, it's just the way women are made up. Okay, so let's, let's go with that on, on, on a couple different, uh, let's attack this from a couple different ways, all right? Um, so the first one is this, I meet a lot of people, both men and women with parental issues, right? Um, women, especially father issues. Okay. Now my little rant is I see a lot of men who still act like boys and not a lot of men who step up and are good fathers and sacrifice for their kids and their wife and all that kind of stuff. I, I see a lot of you know, that going on that affects, you know, men and women. Um, if you had to guess, would you say Anna's got some daddy issues? Oh, yeah. Was that mentioned? I, you know what? I, it it kind of was, yeah, but it, it didn't go into depth or anything. I mean, it was just, but I did. I got the sense that Anna in this has... She's not got a real attentive she, father. No, no. She didn't have that, that father figure or any, I don't think she had anything to look up to. And I must have been asleep with my eyes open if that was mentioned. Um, but I was trying to listen to pastors <laughs> talk while I was reading it. So, you know. Um, I, um, but, okay, so she's got these issues. And I'll come back and deal with that later from a theological point of view. But the other thing that I, you know, I see here with Anna struggling, you know, with this and Christian kind of, of, of praying on this, um, there was a very controversial Christian blog um, that was put up on a site called the Gospel Coalition. Um, it, it was put up about a month ago. And the guy who wrote it tried to give a theological reason for why Fifty Shades of Grey is so popular. And here's what he'd argued. And it created a firestorm, and he had to withdraw the post. All right? So maybe I'm stepping on a landmine here. But his attitude was, here's why. Men and women were created for a certain kind of relationship, with a man being a man, a woman being a woman, We've fallen away from that, and there's something within us that sees Fifty Shades of Grey, and even as distorted as it is, because Christian's got all kinds of issues, and Anna's got all kinds of issues, that the kind of male dominance thing actually appeals to something within a, within a woman, and he argued that actually there's some truth to that. Are you backing away from me? Yes. <laughs> This is what I do with my wife. So, I mean, You're like shrinking. She's got a good right hook. And so I'm just, yeah. Um, so, but, so I read that post and I thought, first of all, I wouldn't have the guts to put that. I'm quoting. I'm not stating. I'm quoting. And so 
What, what do you think? Now, I, I mean, I'm summarizing a very long blog right. post. But. Um, well, there's no need to shrink back because if you read the first line of my notes. Women find dominant men appealing. I'm not say- I am not saying all women. Okay. I'm not. Okay. Um, I'm saying when I was doing research and when I was talking to I, – w- when you asked me to do this, I talked to readers, okay. readers that I know really well. I talked to authors. I talked to my agent. I talked to editors, and they all said the same thing. That's what women look for when they read a book. Yeah. They want that dominant male. Really? Yes. Now, whether they want it in real life, I don't know. They want it in what they're reading. Okay, so that's interesting. So I can see that. So there's more of a, in some kind of ethereal kind of sense of, yeah, I'd like, you know, a guy to to be the leader in the relationship. And then you get in the relationship, you're like, no, 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 I'm going to take the wheel. Yes, Yes, that's exactly it. When they're reading... When they're reading and it's happening to another woman, right. <laughs> it's right. okay. Okay. And, and I think sometimes, a lot of times, you can get mixed up in what's fiction and what's reality. And you always have to remember that that is fiction and it is entertainment. Okay. That's what it's meant for. Okay. But we both, I think, can see how this, we've touched on this, how this can be twisted and how this can be abused. Because going back to the whole situation that probably all of us here are familiar with from high school, the, the jerk, and for some reason, the pretty girl who likes the jerk. And, and so you see the jerk playing mind games, and for some reason, some of these women interpret that as love. Well, yeah, because they're getting attention. And, and I think probably that goes back to Anna, maybe not getting uh-huh. male attention, positive male attention. Right. So um, I think that's just what it goes back to. Now she's getting male attention from somebody who is okay. very attractive, you know, supposedly, and wealthy, and he's, he's done very well for himself. Mm-hmm. So that has to be better than any other male attention she's had in her life up to that point. Okay. All right. So and just to, here in the last, like, ten minutes, um, I went on another site. So after looking at this Gospel Coalition article, that was roundly criticized, basically was saying, you're a sexist pig, right? And so he finally... I will not blog this. You will not blog that? Okay, yeah. You've been warned, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, so, and he pulled that. Um, It would have been interesting, though, if a woman had written that, though, because he was a guy. Oh, I'm not going to. You're not still not going to? Okay. All right. Um, I went on a feminist website um, called Jezebel. I'm probably going to get an email from our IT department at at my work going, why were you on a feminist website called Jezebel? Um... Because I'm liberated. Um, but um, <laughs> um, I can't back that up. Anyway, um, and it listed like three things to keep in mind about Fifty Shades of Grey. And one of the, like the second one was that, and this was on a feminist website, the writer said one of the reasons Fifty Shades of Grey is popular is because women want, I think this is universal, but women want what they can't have. Everybody's that way, but yeah, I think it's universal. Yeah, why? it is. It, I don't know. I don't know why you want what you can't have because as soon as you get it, you want something else. Yeah, I mean, I mean, C.S. Lewis, you know, brought this up. How many people can go from Fifty Shades of Grey to C.S. Lewis? <laughs> yes. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, C.S. Lewis once said that you know that uh, in like medieval romantic literature, when when romantic literature started to pop up, that the, the, one of the themes through it was not 
it was not the it was not the having it was the getting it was the chasing it was the desire it was that it was the fantasy it was it wasn't the actual reality of it right yeah <laughs> yeah um it's you're always I, I think with everybody you're always chasing something else uh-huh. i mean I know as an author, I'm always looking at, like, my next goal. Right. You know, my, my next career goal. Right. And once I get that, then I think, okay, what can my next goal be? But that's really just to, to better myself. But I just think, in general, you are always looking for what you don't have, mm-hmm. whether it's positive or negative. Um, you're always looking for what you don't have, and you're trying to figure out how you can get it and get all the other obstacles out of your way so you can get it. Interesting. Okay, so... Yeah, so here's me being the theology geek. Here's where I think C.S. Lewis would go and where guys like N.T. Wright have gone, which is that whole desire that we all have for, for that perfect thing that if we just get that, things will be perfect. You ever meet this person? If I just get this relationship, if I just get this car, if I just get this job, if I just get this, everything's going to be okay, right? And what N.T. Wright says is that we, we've, our sinfulness has twisted that but the real desire there is for perfection. And, and because we were actually created to live in a perfect world and sin entered it, that what we really want is we all want Eden back. We all want the Garden of Eden back. And, you know, we can't get there till Jesus returns, but that's what we want. And so this idea of perfection, we twist it, but there's actually a theological, you know, you know, a feature to it. So that's, that's me being the, the theological geek. So now let me ask as somebody that, you know, you've written 14, you've published 14 romance novels. Let, let, let's bring this back to romance and the gospel and, and all this other kind of stuff. Um, my own point of view is I actually did a sermon series and on the song of songs. Um, so it was called, um, I, can't, I think it was called Love, Sex, and God or something like that. And, of course, that was the sermon series that we literally had standing room only for. You do like eight weeks on romance and sex, and you have to, you know, you have people going out the door. You talk about feeding the poor, and you've got five people. Um, but um, so, and I talked about that, and I think that going back to Eden, romance is a good thing. Love is a good thing. We're, we're you know, men and women are made for this. And so... Um, I, I think that's a good thing. Um, we twist it. We sin enters it like everything else. But, you know, I think the biggest problem that many of us have here, single people have a hard time setting limits on their romance. Mm-hmm. Married people have a hard time getting romance, especially once you have children, right? Uh, I'm not. I, I'm not asking you to throw your husband under the bus. So no, let me. I, no, let me, um, I'll be honest. Yeah. That, that I, we have never had a problem like oh. that. We have such good communication that I don't think we've ever had a problem, unless I'm missing something. But I mean, we have had such a good relationship. I started dating him when I was 14. Okay. I mean, so I. That's good. I've asked the right person here. This. This is what I want to know. I want. Okay. So, what are the keys? I mean, if you could give some advice, okay to married couples out there who struggle with, with schedules, who, you know, struggle with, you know, every time they try to have a little 
romance. It's like you just rung the bell for your kids to wake up, you know, whatever. Um, Somebody they, has cut a finger. Yeah, something. exactly. It's yeah. just like, it's, it, yeah, it's like you sounded an alarm. Yeah. You know, they automatically have to go to the bathroom or yeah. you need water. You're yeah. right. And so um, what, help us out here. What, do you have any advice for married couples out there? I think communication is the biggest thing. And I, I am very much speaking to myself because if I were married to somebody like me, <laughs> my sister no, is okay, laughing. That was your, all right, that that was was, my sister. All right, I just wanted to make sure we pointed out that was your sister, not your husband. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> if I was married to somebody like me, I don't know that the marriage would have lasted, to be honest. Right. He will make me. He knows my faults. And he knows when to make me discuss when I have something on my mind. You know how if you ask your wife, now I don't know if Emily does this, but you know how, what's wrong? And you get nothing. Nothing's wrong. Yes, I know How are you? I'm fine. (laughs) Okay. I've been there, yes. He won't let up. So I just know now it's easier just to tell him what's wrong. Let's clear the air. And and he's always been that way. And I think that's that's a major thing. You have to really be in tune with your partner. Uh, He knows that it really just... It's like pulling teeth to get me to tell him what is wrong with me. And I think communication is definitely the biggest thing. I think um, just physical contact. I'm just saying, like, you know, a hug, a kiss on the cheek, anything. Just something to let that person know, you know, you can be in the middle of making dinner, which I don't do that often, but on the occasion that I do, you know, if he just walks by and pats me on the butt, or you know what I mean, just (laughs) little, little... I am writing that down. (laughs) He's taking notes. I mean, just simple little things really add up to big things. Okay. And I just think, you know, physical contact and communication are the two biggest things. And if you have have to go in your bedroom and lock the door for 10 minutes and turn on the TV, do it. Okay. The house won't burn down in 10 minutes. I mean, just... You've never met my child, have you? (laughs) Well, you know, I say that, but I have (laughs) my youngest one... (laughs) But I mean, if you just to just to be able to have a conversation yeah. without. <laughs> we say we were at the dinner table one time, and, and, and Jackson actually said, "When do I get to make the decisions?" And I said, "Jackson, I love you, but if I let you do that in five minutes, the house would be like a burnt pile of rubble." I mean, you know. So, all right. So, communication, you know, affection, and and, and it sounds like the single people out there going, "That's it." I mean, but. It is easy when you get married and you're both working and you both have your schedules and, and kids are tiring. It, it, it is easy to kind of lapse into a kind of a selfish routine. Oh, yeah. If we're honest with ourselves, we're all selfish. Right. Um, but, but it's also just doing little things. And it's not, it's not buying affection. It's not, it has nothing to do with money. You know? But you know, a few weeks ago, I was having a really bad day. And I, I wasn't very, you know, I just closed down and I right. don't talk. And, and he ran to the store and he came back with my favorite ice cream. I mean, it's just little things like that. Nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice. It's just little things. It's just that really, that really keeps that communication open. And I mean, I know he would do anything to make me smile or, you know, to make my day better. And I think, I think. Think that's Single guys thing. take notes. It's Literally a- take notes. <laughs> yeah. But I, I saw this quote from Paul Newman, and it said that you don't need to marry the right partner. You don't need to just marry the right partner. You need to be the right partner. And I nice. think that really summed it up really yeah, well. Nice. Okay. I like that. All right. 
Um, so here's how I want, want to end because we're almost out of time. I mean, um, the two things I would say is, is one, I think that the only justification I can give for the popularity of Fifty Shades of Grey is that because it's so poorly written, and so it just seems like I, what I'm afraid of when I read this book is that too many women identify with Anna and they see any kind of attention as good. That's what I worried about the whole time I was reading it, okay. was how many copies have sold. Right. <laughs> and all these women that are looking at this to base a relationship off yes. of. Because you know they are. Yeah. I'd say half of them are, are looking for that. Right. And, and that's why I, I can't stress enough, especially to readers and, and people that I meet at different conferences, is this is only entertainment. It's, right. I mean, my favorite show is Sons of Anarchy. But, I mean. Awesome. I, <laughs> but it's entertainment. Yeah. You know. So yeah. you just have to keep that in mind. You can't base your life off of something you're reading or something you're watching. Okay. You just have to differentiate between reality and fiction. And I, I just, yeah, and I worry about that because, I mean, to make your way through that trilogy, it just seems like you would have to identify with somebody. I worry about um, so many women, so many men have issues. Um, I used to, honestly, I had someone tell me this. When I lived in Hollywood, there was a guy who was particularly adept at picking up girls. And he told me that in talking to girls, he could ask one question and know whether or not he could get this girl. And it was, does your daddy love you? And if they would say That's no. I know. That's a but lot creepy. But it's Hollywood. Yeah. And so, you know, and if they said no, he would know automatically, this woman's got issues, mm-hmm. and you can just play her like a yo-yo. And so if you have those issues, I would really encourage you. There's nothing wrong with you because you have those issues. It's not your fault that sinfulness has entered your family system. Okay, but you do need to deal with those issues or they will come to haunt your later relationships. All right. And the last thing I would say is this. Now, you know, for guys, and I'm only going to speak to guys. um, This is what the Bible says. And, you know, if you go to Ephesians 5, you know, one of the things that it says is Ephesians 525 for husbands. This means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. So he, you know, the advice that Paul gives through the Holy Spirit to husbands is, you need to love your wives like Jesus loved the church. What does Jesus do for the church? He died for you. Yeah, you've got to be willing to die you know, for your wife. And that doesn't just mean, please understand, I'm not talking about just the abstract, that if you know, a, a crazed meth addict broke into my home, I would jump in front of a bullet for her in some abstract sense. I really think that also means that turn off Sports Center, right, and pay her some attention. Would you agree with that? Would you add anything to that? Would you? Absolutely. That goes back to the, um, the attention that, that, that everybody craves. You crave attention. And, and if you're not going to get positive attention, then you're going to find that negative attention. You just want, and it's like with your children too. I mean, you can see if, if they're not getting your attention, they're going to do something to get your attention when you're angry. Do you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> You've been I, there. I've been there as well, yes. So. Crash, bam, what just happened? Yeah. 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 Okay. So it just goes back to, to uh, you need to give your partner some positive attention. Thank you very much. Jules Bennett, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being here.
All right, folks. Well, it, it has come that time when we at Revolution um, will worship. And it, it, I know it feels a little weird to go from talking about Fifty Shades of Grey and romance to, to worship. But um, here's what I really believe. That, you know, here at Revolution, what we preach is always everything centers around the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? And the gospel of Jesus Christ is this. That God loved us so much, despite the fact that we screw up every single day as individuals in relationships over and over again. That God loves us so much that he became a human being, that he died on a cross to take all the punishments for every wrong we have ever done or will ever do. So that we have no fear of punishment for those of us who have faith in Jesus Christ. When we stand before God in judgment, there's no punishment because Jesus has already taken all of that punishment. And then he lived a perfect life on earth to give us that perfect life. The gospel talks about being in Christ, and what that means is we become one with Christ. His perfect life becomes our life. So not only is there no punishment, we are judged by Jesus' life, not our own. And in response to that, we live lives of holiness, of obedience, for that reason and that reason only, out of love, out of gratitude for what Jesus has done. And that does not just mean I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't cuss, I don't do that kind of stuff. It also means I will treat people with respect. I will sacrifice. If I'm a husband or a wife, I will love my husband or wife. If I'm a father, if I'm a mother, I will love my children in such a way that I would die for them. Not just in a dramatic way, but in little ways every single day. So that's what we believe, and that's how we worship. That's what we worship in response to. So let's pray, and then we'll worship. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this discussion. We thank you for Jules and and everything that she does. We just ask that you'll continue to bless her career and work through her. And we we just ask that there'll be more people out there that will help us know practically, uh, as people who have come to faith in you, how it is that we can live lives that bring you honor and glory, not just in front of the entire world by helping the poor, though we should do that, not just in front of the entire world by refusing to do certain things that lead us in a dangerous, down a dangerous path, but in ways behind closed doors, in, in just little ways, like you know when our wife is down, getting her favorite ice cream, just telling her that we love her, just making sure that the people around us in relationship with us, that we reflect your love to them as well as to the world outside. And now because of the love you have shown us, may we worship you with everything we have. In Jesus' name, amen.